Okay, we started a series last week called Grown Up Prayers. Um, I didn't start, quote unquote, praying until I was a teenager. I didn't start going to church then. But some of you probably have been praying all your lives, right? Well, but however you were praying when you were a child, are you still praying that way today? And some of us are. And I think God wants us to pray grown up prayers. So this is a study basically of the Lord's Prayer. Most of us know, and we are, we started last week, did part of the prayer, we're going to do a a little bit more today, and we'll review if you weren't here last week. Uh, Today's topic is the part we like, the give us part, right? So we'll get to that in a few minutes. I want some feedback here at the beginning. How many of you know how to swim? Raise your hand. Okay, about half the people like in the first service. All right, next question. How did you learn to swim? Did your parents teach you? Did, a, did a, some other relative teach you? Did you just learn it on your own? Uh, our kids and our grandkids have gone to swimming classes, and maybe you went to a swimming class. Um, my, my sister's here. Uh, we didn't live near water. Uh, there weren't lakes. There weren't, we didn't go to the ocean. So I didn't learn how to swim as a kid. We had one of those little three-foot deep poles in the backyard. <laughs> you splashed around it. We never learned to swim. So, go to the University of Maryland, my first semester of college. <clears throat> and I have a gym class. And the first part of the gym class is swimming. All right? So, jump in the pool the, the first day. And the instructor's taking roll alphabetically while we tread water. Now, remember I told you I don't know how to swim. This is a... University of Maryland, Olympic-sized swimming pool. We're all in this deep end of, the, end of the pool. And I'm in there going like this. My last name is Youngbar, for people who don't know. It starts with a Y. So you know how long I was in the pool. After we got through roll, then he said, ask how many of us didn't know how to swim? So they could put us, put us in this group that, that didn't know how to swim. But I'm thankful for that class because they taught me four different strokes how to swim. And then ever since then, I've been able to experience a world that I wouldn't have been able to experience otherwise. Um, My wife, for example, never learned how to swim. And so when we go to the beach, she gets the water about this high because she's afraid of the water. So to learn how to swim, though, you have, and I had to, surrender to the instructor, right? I had to say, okay, I don't want to leave the side of the pool, But if I'm going to swim, I'm going to have to listen to what you teach me. Only other option is be afraid. So we want to talk about how surrender is key to, well, being a Jesus follower, but in particular in our prayer life. So, a little review. Jesus was praying one day and his disciples evidently were watching him. And he got finished, and evidently they saw that he prayed differently than they did. And they'd been praying since they were kids. They grew up in the synagogue. They were Jewish. And so, the Bible tells us in Luke that when he finished, one of the disciples came to him. We don't know who, maybe Peter. said, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to learn how to do it like you do it. Evidently, it's, it's different than the way we do it. Now, those of you that pray, probably mostly everybody here, maybe everybody, 
Did you ask somebody one time, hey, would you teach me how to pray? Now, I've been a pastor a long time. I cannot recall anybody asking me that question. Nobody. It's 40 plus years. Pastor in a church and hundreds, if not a thousand of people, and none of us ever asked me this. In fact, if I heard you pray and said, uh, you're not doing that right, I think you need to do it differently, how are you going to feel? You're going to feel offended. We think of prayer as conversation. If I would say, hey, your, your conversation is not good, you need to correct it, you'd feel offended, wouldn't you? But the disciples said, ah, uh, there's something in Jesus' prayers that we're missing and we want it, please teach us. And so... You haven't asked me, but I'm going to try and help you. So first, Jesus tells us what not to do when we pray. That's interesting. Let's get these things out of the way first before I teach you how to pray. So he said, first, don't stand out on the street corner and pray these elaborate prayers so everybody will think how great, great you are and give you praise because that's all the praise you're going to get. He said, instead, what he said, but when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, <clears throat> go away by yourself Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in heaven. Now, I have a pretty big house. Some of you may have pretty big houses. Their houses were really, really small. So this would be hard to get uh, quiet, to have no distractions. Go there and pray to, your, pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything. I hopefully you believe that the God you worship. And if you're not a Jesus follower, that you're... you're trying to learn about, can see everything. So since he can see everything, he will reward you. The second thing he said not to do is go on and on saying the same things over and over again. Now we usually think saying the same thing over and over again at the same time. But if, if you look at my prayer life and I look at your prayer life, for the last, for me, 50 years, a lot of those are going to be the same thing. He said, don't keep asking for the same thing. Don't be like them. He's referring to uh, people that weren't Jewish. That's the way they prayed. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. But wait a minute. That's why I pray. <laughs> so that's why I put on your outline the question. Well, if he already knows what I need, why pray? Because a lot of my prayer life, probably your prayer life is too, is to inform God what I want. You know, I'd like this situation to be different. I'd like this person to get well. I would like this person uh, to, to work out their relationship problem. I'd like this person to work out their financial problem. But God already knows all that stuff, right? So why pray? Let's look at the prayer. It starts this way. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So there's this tension between uh, a loving heavenly Father that we can have tremendous, great intimacy with, great closeness with. Yet, on the other hand, He is almighty God, holy other. In fact, we can't even comprehend. And being holy, we can't even connect with Him if it isn't through Jesus. Because He can't see our unholiness. So, what is the purpose of prayer? Well, he tells us in the next verse, the main purpose of prayer. He says, may your kingdom come soon. May your, speaking God the Father, may your will 
be done. God, Father God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, get down to pray. Holy God, Heavenly Father, I want your will to be done. I want what you want instead of what I want if it's different. So, I want what you want in my finances. I want to handle my finances like you want. So, I want to buy a new car, but you'd rather me give the money to missions. What am I going to do? If I pray this prayer, I'm going to give it to missions, right? Um, I want your will, not mine, with my health. Uh, I mentioned this before. Most of you know I'm a runner, and I like the aerobic part of exercise, but I don't like the strength training part. It just seems boring to me. So I felt convicted about that and started exercising, uh, uh, weight training, back in the fall when I was training for that long race. But once the race was over and I hurt my knee, I stopped doing it. So I felt convicted again this week. So I'm starting back doing weight training exercises. The running I'm still doing. I'm, you know, I, that's, I enjoy that. I just don't enjoy the other part. So God, your will, I believe your will is for me to do weight training, even though I don't like it. All right? So that's the way I interpret this prayer. It's about my exercise, it's about my diet, it's about how I treat people, it's what I do with my finances, what I do with my time. I believe God wants us to relax sometimes. It's not like we're supposed to work 24-7. But if you're like me, the pushback is this. Don't I get to decide anything? Don't I get to control anything? Okay, God, most of the time I want what you want, but don't I get, get what, I, you know, what I want sometimes? The bottom line is this. You and I want to be in control, don't we? I want to control my exercise. I want to control my diet. I want to control my finances. I want to control my relationships. I want to control my time. So why is that? Why do we push back? Well, the basic reason is because we're afraid that God's will we won't like as much as my will. I would much rather have that new car than give that money to missions. You know, I'd rather just, you know, skip the, the, the weight training rather than do the weight training. Uh, whatever it might be. We're afraid. I'm not going to enjoy your will, God, as much as I enjoy my will. And anytime we do that, anytime we're pushing back, I'm saying, I, I, I don't want to get in the deep end of the pool. <laughs> I want to hang on to the side of the pool. Now, some of you have been believers for a long time. And, if, and I would say you, you are mature believers. You have a great faith. But I was asked if you would want to have a great faith. Do you have to have any faith to hold on to the side of the pool? Nah, you don't have any faith at all. It's only as you let go of your will and submit, in this case, to the instructor's will, in the case of the prayer, to God's will, can you have faith? So I put on your outline this. We don't come to God most of the time to surrender. I mean, if you pray that prayer, you're kind of saying the words but not meaning it. We usually come to God to be rescued. Got myself into some trouble. <laughs> you know, financially, relationally, physically, whatever it might be. Oh, God, please make me well. You know, and then we make him promises sometimes. You know, I, I, I'll start exercising if I can get, if you get me well, whatever it might be. 
Jesus is teaching, if you're going to pray like an adult, you come and pray with surrender. Of my will to your will. Now, just logically thinking, if God's all wise and knows everything, is all powerful, don't you think his will is better than your will? Oh, we still, we push back, don't we? So, here's the question. What is the purpose of prayer? What is it? Well, I believe Jesus' teaching is the purpose of prayer is this, is to surrender our will, not impose it, not try and get to God to do what I want him to do. God's not like a genie I can rub and get three wishes. Purpose of prayer is to submit my will to his will, to align my will with his. So if God wants me to do this, this, and this, I go, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I'm not going to say, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this over here. Again, what stops us? It's fear. Fear of not getting what we want, fear of losing out on something, whatever it might be. The problem is, when you and I push back here, the rest of prayer is useless. Until we and I, you and I surrender, the rest of prayer is useless, that we're going to see. This prayer assumes surrender before we get to the, our stuff, our asking, all right? If we're not surrendered, the rest of the prayer, it, it's a disconnect. It stops it. It stops us. It stops communication. Now, I asked this question also last week. Does prayer work? Probably everybody in here, everybody even watching, prays. And I asked in my small group a week or so ago, I asked, how many of those prayers get answered? Or get answered the way you want. And one lady responded, uh, doesn't feel like most of them get answered the way I want. I don't know about yours. Maybe you, got, you and God are like this and you get all your prayers answered the way you want. I certainly don't. I've been praying for things for years and years and years and still haven't seen them. So, again, does prayer work? Yes. But there's a caveat. When we start with declaring His greatness, your almighty, holy God, that's where I need to start, even though I get to call you my Father, and surrendering our will, my will to you, God. So, prayer works with that caveat. We start with that. Then we get to our turn, the part we like, right? part we spend most of the time on, probably. And text goes like this. The prayer goes like this. Give us today. Give us, give us, give us. See, basic three things that we are asking God to give us. Provision, pardon, and protection. Put them, somebody list them with P words. It's easy to remember. Provision, pardon, and protection. Now, let me ask you some more question, though. Those of you who are Jesus followers, I think it's helpful to everyone, but Jesus followers, doesn't God promise to supply our needs? That's provision. Doesn't he promise to forgive us of our sin? That's pardon. Doesn't he promise to take care of us? That's protection. So, he's already promised to do these things. So, when I say, give us, My prayer life is usually just thank you. When my wife and I sit down and eat and we pray over our food, we always thank God not only for providing that meal, but all his provision for us. So, 
Let's get to the provision part. The way the prayer says it is, give us today uh, the food we need, our daily bread. Some translations say, right? Now, let me ask, can anybody here worry about having food to eat tomorrow? Anybody? I don't know how long, but I would conservatively estimate that if my wife never went to the grocery store for a month, we'd have plenty of food to eat. And it might be the same in your house. I don't know. Freezer's full, refrigerator's full, the pantry's full, cupboards are full. We have all kinds of food. So, don't feel much need to pray that prayer. Now, the first century, that's a whole different story, right? They would have food maybe just for the next day. It reminded me of that story in the Old Testament. The Israelites are wandering around the desert and God said, okay, I'll feed you for the next 39 years, whatever it was. But what did they have to do? They had to go out and pick it up. It's called manna. Pick it up every day. If you picked up a bunch to try and save going out the next day, what happened to it? It's spoiled. So they were literally dependent on God every day for their food. Lady in our small group. Again, folks need to be in a small group. I, I learned so much. The lady in our small group told me this week that um, she prays the whole time she's in the grocery store. Now, I don't usually go to the grocery store, so maybe that's why. But when I do, I usually have a couple things I'm going to get. I go get them and, and leave. So I'm not really praying a lot when I'm in the grocery store. But I thought, man, that's a cool thing to do, right? Uh, I would buy healthy food and not junk food that I would buy... You know, the, uh, you know, the best value food rather than waste my money. You know, pray all the way through the grocery store. Pray today for the food we need. Now, I got to thinking about this. When you think about it, how much of your life do you really have control over? It's kind of a depressing question. <laughs> all right? How much do you really have control over? Very little. Do you control the weather? Do you control politics? Do you control uh, finance, uh, stock market, all that stuff? Real big question. Is there some person you control? Parents, you really control your kids? Spouses, please don't try and control your spouse. So there is very, in fact, I don't have much control over me, do I? Do I always do what I should do? I even want to do. So what is the component of this prayer? Well, I put it this way on your outline. It is to declare our dependence. If I can't control much of anything, and God's almighty God control, can, can and does control everything, it makes sense for me to say, okay, do your thing, God, because I can't do it anyway. This is a big deal, folks. It made me think of about a, a, a passage, actually a prayer in the Old Testament, actually in the book of Proverbs. And I'll, I, I'll dare you to pray this prayer. There's a part in this prayer that probably none of us wants to pray. It's in Proverbs chapter 30. Help me never tell a lie. Hopefully, hopefully most of us don't lie most of the time, but all of us occasionally stretch the truth, don't we? But here it is. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Now, the poverty part we probably pay. Did any of you pray, God, give me less riches than I have? 
Anybody pray that prayer? The reason I think sometimes we don't, in fact, I, I truly believe the reason we don't have more riches is because God can't trust us with more than we have. But here's the prayer. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. Anybody pray that prayer? Now, we want more than our needs, don't we? And God gives us more than our needs. But he explains why he prays this prayer, and that's the significant part. For he says, if I grow rich, what might happen? I might deny you and say, eh, who is the Lord? Not about you, but I know people like that, that were religious or Jesus followers at one point in their life, but they got well off, they got, and it's, most Americans are well off, and they got sad, I don't need God. In fact, why half the people that used to come to church before COVID don't come to church anymore? Not just here, all over. I got along without God during COVID, I guess I don't need God. Don't need church. On the other hand, if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. We were talking about a hope a couple of weeks ago in our small group. And uh, one member made this comment. I thought, man, that's really, I really like that. Talking about hope. And he said, that's God's provision to us. I said, wow, that, that really, that's helpful to me. Because what is the difference between no hope and hope. That's huge, isn't it? You can apply it to whatever situation you want. So God's provision for me is hope. I don't need to be hopeless. So we pray for, or maybe thank Him for provision. The second P word is what? Pardon. Pardon. The prayer goes like this. And forgive us our sins. Probably it's a part of your prayer, all our prayers, part of it's asking God to forgive us for the stupid stuff we do, right? Simple stuff we do. People we hurt, all those type things. Now, most people have prayed the Lord's Prayer multiple times. Some churches pray it all the time. I truly don't believe that people pray that prayer don't pay attention to the next part. I don't think they realize what they're actually saying. Because what do you say after that? Give us our sins as we have forgiven, past tense, those who've sinned against me. So these people have sinned against me and I've already forgiven them. So God, forgive me. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Have you forgiven everybody that sinned against you? Hmm? Have you? Now, if you're a Jesus follower, folks, we have no option about this. No option. Again, the assumption is Surrender. Assumption is surrender my will to God's will. What is God's will? Should I forgive everybody who's sinned against me? Yes. No matter what they've done? Yes. And if I heard your story, I might say, well, yeah, you know, you might be an exception. No, no, no. There's no exceptions. If you sinned against me, in fact, Paul wrote it, wrote it this way. I put it on your outline. <clears throat> he talks about some negative things, and he says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, Forgiving one another, notice, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. How has God forgiven you? Completely, totally, unconditionally, right? So how am I supposed to pray? forgive that person that, that's offended me? Maybe an ex-spouse or a, a wayward child or an unscrupulous boss or whoever it might be. 
just as God has forgiven me. Why forgive? Well, because God's forgiven you. I say it this way. God's forgiven me way, way more than I'm ever going to forgive any certain person. Most of my life I spent with my wife, so she probably had to forgive me the most of any person in her life, but nowhere near as much as God has had to forgive her for everything in her life. So this is a huge reminder to you and I how God has forgiven all of my sin. So I put on your outline, why confess our sins? Now, most of us do it, I believe, for this reason. It's a conscience cleaner. Uh, I feel guilty, I did that, I said that, I didn't do that. God, please forgive me. And then I don't feel bad anymore. None of us like to feel bad. But that's not the purpose of confession. Confession is to maintain and or restore relationships. When I've hurt my wife, I go to her and ask her, would you forgive me? Um, And she says, yes, of course. And then whatever that was between us is now removed. The relationship is restored or maintained. Uh, A Christian writer, pretty famous, named Philip Yancey, wrote something really deep, if you want to use that word, deep. The more you think about it, the more amazing it is. God announced forgiveness ahead of time. So, God says, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness before you even ask. All right? So, how should I forgive whoever's offended me before they even ask ahead of time? In fact, they may never ask. They may be dead. Can't ask. Just let it go. The flip side is this, to refuse to forgive is to refuse to follow, right? According to what Jesus said, (laughs) how will you know we are his followers or disciples, Scripture says. One place it says, by our love for one another. Just before Jesus left this earth in Matthew 28, he said, my disciples shall go and teach others about me. That's how you know. So, Surrendering to Jesus, surrendering to Father God in prayer, ensures that we don't surrender to fear, bitterness, resentment, uh, revenge. You can fill in any, any words you want to there. Let me ask you, are those things good masters? <laughs> the serving revenge or re- bitterness or resentment, they, they make your life better? So that's why I put on your outline, surrender is an invitation to a better life. Letting go of the side of the pool, whether it's in your relationships, makes me a better spouse, better parent, better grandparent, better pastor, better friend, Um, makes my finances go better, makes my health better. This is a big deal. And so this, this, this forgiveness thing is such a big deal. Jesus finishes the prayer and then he talks about it some more. If you forgive those who sin against you, this is verse 14 and 15, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, uh-oh, 
if I refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, theologically, this is problematic for me because <laughs> I believe God forgives all my sins. So, what is he saying? Think about it this way. What do we call a person that expects others to do things they're not willing to do? Jesus talked about a lot. He talked about the Pharisees. He called them what? Hypocrites. If I expect you to do something I'm not willing to do, I'm a hypocrite. And so Jesus is subtly telling you, you and I are hypocrites if we're not willing to forgive somebody else. So, if Jesus is correct, it's kind of a weird statement, right? Obviously, Jesus is correct. That's as far as our prayer can take you. It's shut down until we surrender. It's shut down until we're willing to forgive others. Are there people you need to forgive? Back to that question earlier. Does prayer work? I said, feels like a lot of time it doesn't. Well, it does work on us. Right? It does work on us. It ch- say, prayer changes things. Biggest thing it changes is you and I. When I say, okay, your will, God, not mine be done. Because most of the time I want my will. So what do we call the attitude that I'm good with God, we're like that, but I don't have to be good with you. I don't have to forgive you. I don't have to restore that relationship with you. You know what we call that? That's called religion. See, Christianity isn't a religion. It's a relationship. We make it a religion when we act that way. Yeah, me and God are so close. I can feel, oh, we're so good. But I don't care about you. You know what that is? Religion uses God, no matter what religion is. It uses God to get what you want. I thought about those terrorists that fly, flew the planes and, into the uh, Twin Towers. Why would they do that? They believed that what? God was going to give them all this great stuff in heaven when they died. They were using God to get stuff. So as long as we're, not, as we're unchanged, as long as we're unforgiving, as long as we're unsurrendered, as long as we're not dependent on God, we're using God. We're using prayer. Right after this, Jesus tells this hilarious story. He says, you know, we tend to want to pick out that little speck of, you know, issues in, in, in your neighbor's eye. You know, they got this little fault. He said, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. First, take care, I use the term, telephone pole out of your own eye. I just picture this huge telephone pole coming out of my eye. Say, first take care of that telephone pole, and then you'll be able to see clearly. Can't see much with a telephone pole to take, help that person with the uh, speck in their eye. I put it on your outline this way. <clears throat> when I focus on the work that God is doing in me, my telephone pole, I'm far less concerned about the work he has to do in you. So I can see clearly to help you. Now, how do I help you? Well, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. So when I take care of my telephone pole, it allows me to get to the place where I can serve you. If you don't feel like serving, you probably got a telephone pole in your eye. So, one more time. What if Jesus was correct? What if prayer begins with recognizing 
God is almighty, holy God, submitting, not my will, but yours be done, God, asking or thanking him for his provision and for his pardon, then Jesus' prayer leaves us what? Surrendered, dependent, and forgiven. I like that part. Now, there's another part of the prayer, and I knew I didn't have time. I'm going long already. That's protection from temptation. Please join us next week. We'll, we'll talk about that. So, here's your take home. What's keeping you from praying that prayer and meaning it? Forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you. This is a tough one. Uh, we want our will, not your will. We don't want to always forgive people. Uh, help us to see that this is the way to a better life. Uh, freedom, for a for better word. Freedom from resentment and bitterness. Freedom from guilt. Uh, God teaches us to pray this prayer. And if you're not a Jesus follower, we want to pray specifically for you. <laughs> you can't call him your heavenly father if you haven't committed to him. He's, a, he's God out there. But your acceptance of his invitation, you get adopted into his family. And we pray that you make, pray that prayer. Your sins will be forgiven now and for eternity. And you get to spend eternity with him. But here, this life, this life will be better as you surrender your will to his. Because his will is perfect. Thank you, God. We thank you things in Jesus' name. Amen.